0: Welcome to the game.
1: It's a beautiful thing.
0: With it's Mark, Mark Duffy, Duffield, Duffield, the son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we?
1: Who lit up footy fields in the southwest
0: before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe? My goodness. And, and Glenn, Glenn Quarterman. Wow. We- A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who! And this is your favourite footy podcast.
1: It's unbelievable!
0: Hello everybody, Thursday. Time for the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, betty or bet, download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. All right, quarters. Big, big game at Optus Stadium tomorrow night. Melbourne versus Fremantle. I suspect you can almost draw a line through the loser as a flag contender. And big news for the Ds today with the signing of Angus Brayshaw.
1: Six-year deal too, Duff. So that takes him through to the end of 2028. Uh, Very big news for them. How it affects the two local clubs is interesting because now I assume they will both be in hot pursuit of 1L Jackson.
0: So the other news, of course, that we haven't mentioned yet is Liam Baker gets Mm. a two-year deal at Richmond. So um, there was strong interest from West Coast in Liam Baker. Um, There was always the feeling that he was more likely to stay than go. There was a feeling early on in the piece that Angus Brayshaw might be gettable Um, But in more recent weeks, it's appeared more likely to stay um, than go. Um, Yeah, it does certainly, all roads point to Luke Jackson now, which is probably for the two local clubs not a great thing because one fish to hook means there's a lot of competition. And what happens when you get competition?
1: Driving that price up. The
0: price goes up. Not just the salary cap price, but also the trade price. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. So, do we
1: remember Tom Lynch's last game for Gold Coast against Richmond? and Jeremy Cameron's last game for the Giants against Geelong, where it was indicated that they will be moving. How many Frio fans are going to cheer every Luke Jackson possession tomorrow night?
0: <laughs> but you think they want him to feel welcome? Oh, I think so.
1: <laughs> I think he'll feel welcome.
0: It's a pretty big game for Freo. I it is a massive.
1: Biggest game, as you wrote today, uh, since 2015, when they topped the ladder, Frio. It's huge. I think for them, I tend to agree with you in terms of Melbourne, what they've won, they've lost five of their last eight. They need to get moving. I think Geelong's there's a bit of distance at the moment and I still think Melbourne's best footy has been the best in it. They lose this, it's hard to see them mounting a premiership challenge, although easier than Fremantle. If Fremantle lose, you'd suspect top fours going to be very hard to, to make. And I don't think history suggests that you can win the flag outside the top four in Western Australia.
0: For me, the reality is it's a body of work. And for me, the body of work, if Melbourne loses tomorrow night, will be six losses in nine mm. games. Um, that's very, very hard to turn around uh, at the pointy end of the season when you're coming up against teams that are as hungry as you, that have more momentum built than you, and will have they will almost start the game with their foot on your throat.
1: Is this a combination, is this a fact of teams working them out, a little bit of a Premiership hangover or a combination of both? It's probably a combination of both. And and you could add in the third factor, the Stephen May uh, French restaurant cafe factor as well. I think teams, clearly what's happened now in a simplistic sense stuff is that they're not kicking it to May and Lever anymore. And the other bloke they're not kicking it to in that back half when he drifts back is Max Gorn. So they're finding it very hard. The other factor with Melbourne has been the dirty ball inside 50, which started long before their first loss to Fremantle. So those factors, for me, have impacted.
0: Yeah, so what happens is, if you look at the way the younger teams, the emerging teams, are setting up to play, they're all getting great bounce off half-back, which means they get good ball inside attacking 50, which means their forwards play better. Um, Melbourne's still got midfielders playing well. Um, they've still got two very good ruckmen, although Gorn is coming back from injury, so not at his peak. Um, but you're right, um, not enough pressure on the ball, which means that it's not being kicked to May and Lever. Um, it's being kicked to often their opposition players if they uh, sag off them. Um, but I also think it's a long season when you win a flag, which means everything gets put back. You start your pre-season later. Um, you know, you're not quite as well prepared when the season starts. Um, and players, some players, you only need a small number of players within your group. What we call a premiership hangover is probably a small number pl- of players somewhere on your group who aren't quite as good as they were the previous year because they've... Been to the top of the mountain, Duff. They're not quite as hungry,
1: yeah. You only need to be 0.5% off, I reckon. Yeah. That's how fine a line it is in the AFL. Just a margin, just a margin off.
0: So okay. it's And then the machine breaks mm. because if you look at Melbourne in September last year, they were a machine. Everything was in its right place. Everything worked with the other components of the machine. The minute some of the components fall away, whether it's at the top end or whether it's in the middle or at the bottom end, then the machine breaks or it starts to creak a little bit or it needs some more oil or someone needs to compensate for someone else and then suddenly the machine doesn't work as well. Yeah, I'm not
1: jumping off Melbourne yet. I think tomorrow night's going to be telling. I might jump off depending on their performance tomorrow night. I still think there's plenty of improvement left in Melbourne, um, but tomorrow night, really, really important.
0: Yeah, this is a telling game for me, for both clubs. Um, Would you draw a line through Melbourne if they lost tomorrow night? No. No, I wouldn't. But what I would say is teams being able to turn around a stint through the middle of the season and towards the back end where they lose six out of nine and have a strong September, history says more unlikely than likely. And if Fremantle were to lose against... Even a great team like Melbourne at home, um, Fremantle may be starting to find their level. And and that level is, you know, somewhere between five and eight, not somewhere between one and four.
1: Which, which you would have gleefully taken at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I would have, as a, as a Freo fan. But
0: when you're in the mix, yeah, halfway through the season, you've got to take your best And swing. they're
1: still in the mix. But you've got to make a statement. Look, what what did they learn from ra- the round 11 victory over Melbourne, which really started the rot for Melbourne? Well, they sent Griffin Logue forward, which disrupted that back line efficiency, which was a good move. They tagged Clayton Oliver, um, which other teams had tried but not pulled off necessarily. Um, it's funny that. Tagged Clayton Oliver. Pretty impactful on Melbourne. <laughs> um, so they did learn a bit. But again, this is now this is going to be in the wet. So 10 to 15 millimetres of rain. They've replaced 100 square metres of the surface. Apparently there are a few local residents around the Optus Stadium area out the front lawn scratching their heads this morning. No lawn left.
0: <laughs> Just barren patches of dirt. Is that like fun with Dick and Jane, and, it? <laughs>
1: and she turns to her husband and says, Clary, what'd you do with the lawn?
0: It's gone. Well, they had to. Um, there certainly had to be some resodding because it was pretty average in the St Kilda West Coast game last week. I um, believe Luke Ryan might have made some comments about the surface as well. It's not necessarily... Not, a,
1: not overly com- uh, complimentary, day.
0: No. Yeah, I, I do think they have to get the surface right, and I don't think they have. And I think it's never been completely right. I think there has always been room for improvement. And, uh, and I think if they are serious about benchmarking a stadium with the best in the world one of the first things you should attempt to benchmark is getting the best grass you see, can. that's
1: the power of you duff see i was more um sympathetic on tuesday you were you weren't as such and they've replaced
0: 100 square meters of turf only on the back of what you said on the podcast on tuesday yeah i'm sure that didn't happen um but I, it does frustrate me because this is growing grass you know i had my um lawn mode today it's, it's not that easy it's a little bit easier than they've made it look, I have to say. <laughs> a little bit easier than they've made it look. It's growing grass. The MCG has far more traffic than Optus Stadium every year, year in, year out, and they cope. So I would have thought we could have done better than we've done so far.
1: Fair enough. A dimmer Hardwick this morning, Duff, issued a, in brackets, sort of apology for his actions over the weekend, saying it's... It's probably below, uh, it's unacceptable behaviour for a person in my position, but please remember, I'm only human. I'm human too, Duff. I can't remember going to the footy and abusing, uh, as a coach, abusing someone on the other side of the fence for as long as he did at the weekend, so I'm not sure I'm buying that. At least he's got on the, at least he's apologised, but I still think there should be some um, form of punishment from the AFL because it's not good enough.
0: Is this this part of our woke society where, even when you apologise, you're allowed to point out your humanity? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. Does he allow that from his players when one of them doesn't go hard enough or doesn't chase hard enough or doesn't man up or does something selfish? or Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he forgave Bolter and Cumberland for what they did on the weekend because they're just human errors. But mm. what happens if a player lets his ego get in the way of the team goals? And just dim- well, he'd smash
1: them for that. I'm sure the uh, the Shea Bolton incident when he showed the opposition the ball, I reckon that wouldn't have gone down too well with him.
0: But the point well, is... Well, he did say, after, uh, in fairness to Damien, he said afterwards, he said, we don't like that. It's a bad look. So he came out publicly and... Can I ask um, why it
1: took him four days, though, to issue an apology for this, or four or five days even?
0: Probably because he needed to be persuaded.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, just not good enough. Anyway... Let's, Otherwise,
0: you do it straight away, don't you?
1: Yeah, of course you do. Let's let's, let's move on. Tell you what we're not going to move on from quickly is Joel Selwood, 350 games for Geelong this weekend. What an absolute warrior Joel Selwood has been. Um, I looked through the list today. It wasn't so long ago. It probably shows my age a bit, Duff. I remember there was only 12, 13, 14 players who'd played over 300 games growing up. 97 now. VFL, AFL players have, hit, have passed the 300 mark. Amazing
0: figure. You know what Ross Lyon told me, and this is going back eight years now, and I was talking to him about the age of a few of the Fremantle players, and he said, 33 is the new 30. And at the time, I thought it was Ross just liking older players, because Ross had a reputation for not wanting to play the kids. But he's right. They're going longer. They're playing older. They're playing well further into their 30s. So every club now has to factor this into their list management models, because when you think you might have to unload players. Might be two years from the time when you have to unload players. So Joel Selwood's been a wonderful, wonderful player. No wonder the standards at Geelong are so high because he has set them, hasn't he really? Like you don't want to be putting in the short ones at Geelong. No. With with Joel Selwood.
1: Glad it's at home. I'm sure there's been some form of manufacturing, although you can't always, but I'm glad it's a a home game for them so the uh, Cadinia Park faithful can show their appreciation to one of the absolute greats in the history of that club.
0: Well, 20,000 of them can. Of course, there's a redevelopment going on, so there's about 15,000 seats that aren't usable at the moment and and will be in use next year, we hope. Um, But yeah, no. Absolutely, kudos to him. He's been a a, a great, great player. I think he's not as critical to them now as, say, Tom Hawkins remains. They're both the same age. Um, But still, as a standard bearer for that club, he's been absolutely enormous. Interesting, not to cast a shadow over the whole thing, but interesting that he's been allowed to continue to get away with shrugging tackles high. And Jack Ginnivan's been allowed to get away with it for two thirds of a season, <laughs> <laughs> and is now has the weight of the football world upon him.
1: Well, uh, and I see Craig McRae. I see Lee Matthews buying into the argument. The um, one thing I'll say about it all is he has invited a lot of this pressure, Duff. And there were a lot of apologists this week for Jack Ginnivan, but and and I've been supportive of Jack. I like I like him. Facebook page profile. It's the tackle, the yeah. Redman tackle. So don't, on the one hand, say, oh, I'm being cruel by the media, I'm being victimised, and that's your Facebook profile. You're inviting it. Some people, what is it, the um, Brendan McCullum says, the New England coach, run towards the danger. He's like Ackermanis. He runs towards the controversy. He does.
0: Well, he he still leans towards the tackle because he wants the high contact. Well, that won't be happening. So this is where, normally, you just bow to everything Lee Matthews says. Lee Matthews is like the ultimate authority on football. So if Lee Matthews says... The earth is flat. It takes you a while to accept that it might not be flat. Mm. But I'm going to disagree with Lee on this one. The reality is is that even that incident on the weekend, the Mason-Redmond tackle, he leans towards the tackle. He has the opportunity to dispose of the ball. He makes absolutely no attempt to dispose of the ball. He has the opportunity to try and get away from the tackle, i.e. evade it. He doesn't. He wants the tackle laid, and he wants it to be high that's what he wants that's what he's inviting now yes the tackle still has to be a, a reasonable tackle it has to be a reasonable attempt to lay a fair tackle but when the bloke's leaning and lowering and shrugging that is a lot harder to do and it's all very well to say well it's ju- just Jack Ginevan doing it it's all very well to say oh the tackle's got to be legit but what happens when six players for every team are doing it let's not forget that when Joel Selwood started doing this, which was probably a year or two years after he started, so let's say 08, 09, maybe even 2010, within two years, West Coast had four players doing it. Luke Shuey, Adam Selwood, Scott Selwood, Ashton Hams, they were all doing it. And it was driving opposition teams crazy. And then they all started doing it. And it, and it would just be a farce, wouldn't it? It would just that, You know what they'd have to do? They'd have to rewrite their own rules on chicken wing tackles because the best way to stop it is what Sam Switkowski did, grab the arm and pin the arm. Mm.
1: I enjoyed what, I'll repeat, I love watching footy last weekend mm. because it's frustrating. By the way, just another point on that. So there was a lot of bleeding from Collingwood on why that wasn't paid a free kick. Just be careful what you wish for because the Harry Jones shot for Golduff should have been a 50 metre penalty Yeah, The Collingwood defender Kicked that ball away After the whistle had been blown Yeah, So just be very careful What you wish for Collingwood the, He kicks that he, he gets 50 That's a goal and You don't win that game And then it's
0: game over yeah. You
1: don't win that game So Just be careful
0: Yeah no There's a lot of incidents That decide a game um, We always think of the ones Right at the end um, Or the ones that get The most publicity But there would be A thousand incidents of microscopic proportion within a game That make up and add up to the result in the game So I agree And I am I think Craig McRae Has been a wonderful first year coach And an absolute revelation as a first year coach But I think We have every right to condemn him For encouraging Ginnivan to keep doing what he was doing
1: Yeah I'd agree with that
0: Because it was always going to lead to this And it was always going to lead To opposition players hunting him And, and the reason I say that With absolute confidence Is because it's human nature It's human nature if you get a smart aleck that's doing this and trying to trick the umpire into playing in free kicks that you're going to go harder at it. I don't mind the smart aleck
1: side of it. I don't mind the inciting the opposition players. But don't bleat when your Facebook profile has an image of that tackle Mm. because you're just inviting trouble. Yeah. So let's just move on from that and... Hopefully it's another good weekend of watching footy. We should pick some winners because we've got quite a bit of mail to get through, Duff. All right. Starting with the big game on Friday night.
0: So Melbourne versus Fremantle, Optus Stadium. It's going to be wet, uh, certainly during the day. I think Fremantle still has hopes that it will clear for the evening, but certainly um, a wet day leading up to it. Um, I reckon this is 50-50. what do you think, quarters?
1: Was it Wet 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 who sang I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my bones? I think it was. Love is all around me. If I don't if I've got that wrong, I apologize. No, I think you're right. But so, I can Melbourne. feel it in my bones. Melbourne, I'm picking Melbourne to win this game. I'm sorry, Freo, but I think we're going to see the good the good Melbourne soon, and I think it starts this week, and I think the conditions will suit them more than they suit Freo.
0: So $1.77 for the Ds, $2.05 for Fremantle. Uh, I'm going to tip the Dockers. Not with super confidence, but I just... Look, Melbourne has lost five of the last eight. It's not good form. So we're thinking of Melbourne, the 2021 version, and we're thinking Melbourne should come here and win. We're thinking they'll have good memories of the ground. All those things will come into play, but this is not the 2021 Melbourne. Their form says they're not, um, I think Fremantle are going as well as they can go either. I think they're starting to show signs of tiring, um, maybe showing signs of finding their level a little bit. But it's a big ask to come here and win against a good team. I'm saying this is Melbourne
1: rounds one to about eight this year. Yeah, but who'd they beat say. in rounds one to eight? Well, they beat the Western Bulldogs in round one.
0: Yeah, but how are the Western Bulldogs going in rounds well, one Well,
1: they're one to probably going all right early in the season, but they're going all right now. But, yeah, they had that patch in the middle. Yeah, I thought Melbourne was pretty good early. We, we were talking them up. They were, they were pretty good early, and I think there's still a lot of upside to them. You might be right. We're going to find out. We're about to find out. I yeah. think um, a loss tomorrow night, it's a long way back.
0: Yeah. I, I, Mainly form-wise. Yeah.
1: Form-wise.
0: I don't think a win tomorrow night, um, Frank's Freo is flag contenders. I think a loss probably almost eliminates them from the equation. But I do think also it almost eliminates Melbourne from the equation. I just yep. think that more than two months of footy, losing two-thirds of your game – that's too big a body of work to be able to turn it around and and come back and win a flag. So you're i on Melbourne? Yep. Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. Uh, Collingwood a dollar sixty seven. Port Adelaide two dollars eighteen. Port Adelaide probably the form team outside of the eight. Um, and Collingwood probably, along with Geelong, the form team.
1: Well they are, but are they? I mean they've won who have they beaten the last four or five rounds? Y- I mean, they've beaten – and they've won by narrow margins. I just don't think – I think Collingwood has been – they've been really impressive, but everything has fallen their way. So I'm just saying they're due. I'm going to pick Collingwood here. It's at the MCG. But I think this is one of the hardest games of the round to pick. I think Port's in this game up to their eyeballs.
0: I think Port's in every game up to their eyeballs. Yeah. They're but, playing particularly really Particularly this footage. game, I reckon. I'm going to tip Collingwood. Um, but I'm, I am like you. I think Collingwood – Collingwood – may not be when we assess have to redo this, when we assess Collingwood, we have to factor in their percentage as well as their win loss. Because there's a lot of close ones in there and generally speaking over a period of time, the close ones tend to even out around about fifty fifty with Don't wins. Use and losses. them all up, Collingwood. They have used a few. Now, I think they'll win, but I think Port Adelaide if Port Adelaide still smell the remote chance of a finals berth and are going hard and as hard as they've been going, I think Port Adelaide can stretch them all the way here.
1: You speak to Collingwood supporters. I spoke to a great mate of mine last night. He's long time rusted on Collingwood. He's expecting them to fall into a hole, and has been for about six weeks. Yeah, well... They just keep getting over the line, which shows great resilience amongst the group. It shows great coaching. Obviously shows that you're sticking to your structures at the right time, but they've also been lucky.
0: And my advice to Jack Ginevan, don't lean into a Tommy Jones. By the way, his
1: form's been... Average the last couple of weeks as well so yeah. it just needs to just maybe they need to shuffle him around a little bit
0: don't lean into a tommy jonas tackle
1: oh yeah, yeah. good call sorry i missed that
0: that's so the the other thing about um the lee matthews defending ginevan what would lee have done to ginevan if ginevan had tried to milk a Does high free kick
1: thinking about like
0: the head would have been at punt road and oh, the rest yeah. of the body would have been at um marvel stadium oh, wouldn't
1: yeah, it? yeah yeah would have just looked at him with those eyes. Yes. Those Lee Matthews eyes. Don't do it again, son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scary stuff.
0: All right. Sydney versus GWS. Sydney, $1.20. GWS, $4.50. So the battle of the bridge quarters. Is it going to be fierce or is it going to be more the giants rolling over and laying down like little puppy dogs?
1: I reckon it's a battle of one of those temporary bridges that the army builds across a river. A pontoon bridge. A pontoon bridge. Now, nah, Sydney will win this. Look, I'm not sure where GW... They're, they're in no man's land for mine. Obviously, they have McVeigh in a temporary coach. He's doing his best, but yeah, nah, Sydney for me. Is it the Buddy Cup or does he stay at the Swans? Oh, he stays, doesn't he? I think he does. It's, if he goes anywhere, it'll be to GWS.
0: It just doesn't look right to me for Lance Franklin
1: to leave What if Clarko... And I know, I know that this, this North Melbourne GWS in the commentary here with Clarko, but to me, I still have him in... Heavily leaning towards GWS. If he goes to GWS, it would be enticing for Buddy. A little bit of a romantic fairy tale ending for him. He stays in Sydney. It's an ending. It's an ending. Well, mm-hmm. he's, I think he's only got a year left. Yeah. I think any talk of him having two years left
0: is fanciful. Is Clark a romantic? He well, wasn't. I think it, he actually is. He wasn't particularly romantic with Sam Mitchell and. No, but this is a different scenario. Jordan this Lewis. is going to the Giants,
1: putting bums on seats. Um, I think they could do with someone like Buddy in that forward line, just to structure them up a bit, just for a year. So I don't mind the idea. I I'd actually think he'll stay at Sydney. By the way, I think they're, they'll be in a if they're not in a window this year. I don't think they are this year. I think they'll be more likely next year. So I think he stays. I hope for the
0: sake of footy that he stays.
1: Wouldn't be bad. Wouldn't it be good for the Giants to get? But he was meant to be going there in the first place. I
0: don't think you know what. I don't think getting a bloke who's thirty six and may not have any good footy left by the time next season runs around. Now, he may have one reasonable year left in it. Yeah, that's a good call. Or he may have no... I don't think that's the way the Giants mm-hmm. want to go. The Giants want to discover a new young forward that'll kick a 1,000 goals for them over the next 12 years. That's what I reckon. All right, so we're both on the Swans, I think comfortably. St Kilda versus Hawthorne. St Kilda $1.62, Hawthorne $2.30. So the Hawks beat... North Melbourne last weekend down in Hobart. Jack Gunston, superb. John Newcombe, very good. St Kilda did what they had to do to get the chocolates against West Coast. Jack Steele, superb, with 40 disposals and 11 clearances.
1: Butler with five goals. Butler with five goals. Who wins? St Kilda wins. Too much to lose. Still in the chop-up for a position in the top eight. Hawthorne, not a bad little run of form, but who have they beaten, really? And... Still can't play four quarters, as we saw last week against North Melbourne. Just put the tools down in the last quarter. Um, North, well, bloody awful last week, by the way. So I don't think Hawthorne had much to play against. Should have won by 100 points that game, if they were fair income. Um, I think St Kilda wins this one, uh, and I think they win by about four or five goals. Smashed them in the first round this year. So, yeah, St Kilda for me.
0: Yeah, St Kilda for me. Um, Hawthorne... It's hard to know what you get with Hawthorne. It's a lot to like. As as a fan,
1: I I love what I'm watching in terms of there's so much potential there and growth. But um, if you're after a four-quarter effort, you ain't going to get it from the Hawks.
0: Okay, so we're both on the Saints. Geelong versus the Western Bulldogs. We talked about this game earlier. Joel Selwood's 350th. Uh, Geelong $1.35, Western Bulldogs three dollars twenty. It's at yeah. GMHBA Stadium, I the thought... Geelong men's home for the brilliant but aged. Um, Must what have reckon? been the
1: subliminal because I actually went to pick Western the Western Bulldogs online. I'm picking Geelong. It's at home. Their form's great, so they deserve to be favourites for re- the favourites for a reason. Is there anything? I that... reckon there's. A, I reckon there is an. A, there's a. Distinct possibility here. I reckon they're running into some pretty good form, the Dogs. Geelong are more gettable at home than they have been in the past. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is an upset, but I can't pick
0: against Geelong at home. Geez, I'll tell you what. They're going to have to win big in the midfield, aren't they? With their suspect defence going against Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins. But they can win big in the midfield. Well, they're going to have to.
1: Well, they'll have to. That's right. But that's why I can't pick against him. I think that, that is a great Geelong forward line. Um, but you know what? That dog's forward line's going okay too at the moment.
0: This is going to be a good measure for players like Jamari Uglehagen. Stuart Jew back
1: yet? No, he's another one, isn't he, or two? Stuart Dew. Sorry, no. Tom, Tom Stewart. How
0: many have oh, you of the weeks of You saying it's Stuart Jew back? <laughs> not, uh, um, It's either this week or next yeah, week. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure which one. Yeah, it'd be telling.
1: I mean they've been going beautifully without him, but he slots straight back in. Arguably the best defender in the comp when he was um, suspended. So he'll be he'd be handy this week. Um that three pong forward line looking pretty good now. Yeah. Um, with that midfield. But still suspect down back, which is why I'm picking Geelong. Yeah. And it's a ground we know. Yes, they're, they're more gettable there now, but the narrowness of the ground, you can get caught out there, particularly if you're a midfield like the dogs where you can get pushed over those boundary lines pretty easily.
0: Yeah, few rules about uh, having a long and successful life. Don't try and fight your way to Moscow in the middle of the Russian winter mm-hmm. and don't tip against Geelong. At Cadinia uh, Park. Yes. <laughs> so um, cats for me, I don't think it'll be much in it. I think it'll be under 15 points But um, because you're right, the doggies are in pretty good form, um, but the cats just purring along absolutely beautifully. Purring, nice. Adelaide versus Carlton. Carlton are $1.40. Adelaide are $2.90. This is in Adelaide. So? Um, yeah, there's not a lot left of the crows, is there? Carlton. That's all you've
1: got to say. Oh, at the moment, yes. I just, I think Carlton are not ready to win the flag, but they're certainly ready to play finals, and I think they're certainly ready to win a final. And they will dispatch of a team of Adelaide's stature at this point.
0: I reckon that Carlton, if we get a dry September, and they get out and going and kicking to those two forwards, I, I, I 70% agree with you that they're a year away from being a serious flag contender. But sometimes the stars just line up for you. Yeah, they do. And I think there's enough talent there if the stars line up for Carlton in September with the weather, with Harry and Charlie going gangbusters, um, if rings fit and holding down the opposition's most dangerous forward and they can get um, uh, Young, Lewis Young, um, up to speed to play on the second one, maybe Ger- uh, Mitch McGovern. To play on the third and they get good bounce from Doherty and Adam Sard. I I tell you what, I'd be very surprised if they're not around preliminary final week. The Western
1: Bulldogs rewrote
0: the rules for everyone in twenty sixteen.
1: But Fort Prior it was it was always nah you gotta lose you know, you've got to go through September heartbreak. Before a bit can, of seasoning. All of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But now the Western Bulldogs, for me, changed all that sort of thinking.
0: Well, the Western Bulldogs did play finals the previous year, though. But they came from so far back
1: Yeah, in that in that 2016 finals campaign. I just reckon sometimes you need to see it done to have belief yourself. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're capable. I just don't think they're ready. Yeah. I think it, a finals win would be a great season for Carlton. And But if you do get the monkey off your back, you win the final – Anything's possible.
0: Is this season for Adelaide, is it a tick, a cross, or neither? I don't think it's neither. I just don't think – have they progressed? We
1: talked about their kids a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you've got more games of footy into them, and sometimes you can pop, and sometimes we don't see it coming. But for me, I'm just not sure where they sit how relevant they are in terms of talking about the teams that are on the rise. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can mount a bigger case for North Melbourne, believe it or not, with their youth than I can for Adelaide. Yeah. That's, that's a big statement. Yeah. Um, they're a long way off, but I don't think they are North. If that sounds kind of weird, I think they're at the moment and they were horrendous last week. Their second and third efforts were almost non-existent, but I just reckon that there's enough youth there. If you got the right, um, leadership at that club something could pop there and could make them a little bit more formidable than they are but i can't see that in adelaide
0: all right so we're both on carlton and we're both on carlton comfortably the battle of the coasters on the goldie gold coast versus west coast at metricon stadium gold coaster a dollar 15 west coast to five dollars 40 i suspect west coast will have a lot of emotional investment in the following week which would be Josh Kennedy's last game. We believe
1: it will be, yeah. It would certainly be his farewell to his home fans.
0: Correct. Um, so what happens here? Is this a building block into that game, or is this one you just got to get out Does of the he way? Does travel? Get- I wouldn't have thought so.
1: No, so he doesn't travel this week.
0: I would have thought there's no way Josh Kennedy's getting on that plane. Well, he's
1: certainly to not getting on the plane to go to Geelong in round 23. I can,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that much. So, so it's, it's, it's either the Derby
1: in round 22, away Derby, or you farewell your own fans the prior
0: week, previous week. Well, clearly is- the farewell to the fans is going to be round 21. Yeah, yeah, it will be. And then it's a matter of whether he plays yeah. the next week.
1: And what is to be gained by him playing the following week? You can go out in a winning note in a Derby or – Probably more likely on a losing note in a derby. But that's, that's his call. He might want he might want to call the derby. Look, uh, while we're talking about milestones, we should talk about this weekend, Andrew Gaff's 250th game.
0: So Andrew Gaff, I reckon, is an understated and underrated player. And he's underrated because I think people felt that his contract was too big and too long, and therefore that tends to affect a player's reputation. There was a five-year period where I reckon Gaff was consistently in West Coast's best five players. And he's probably found a comfort zone that he doesn't extend enough often enough, which means go inside more often, get forward more often, and get more dangerous with his touches. But he's like a set-and-forget wingman. Mm. They just roll him out there. He gets it 30 times. He works the ball up and down the ground. He's not overly um, incisive with the ball, but he's pretty safe with the ball in hand. He's an enormous runner, and he's got great character.
1: Two years after this one he's
0: got? Yeah, so he's been a wonderful, wonderful player. Has been,
1: and he should should enjoy the occasion um, at the weekend. 250 games. Another milestone, Adam Simpson, 200 games as West Coast coach. Third longest serving, John Westfold, 264 games at a winning percentage success rate of 54.17. Michael Malthouse, 218 at 66.78. And Adam Simpson was 62% heading into this year, now down around 57%. Yeah, but,
0: but I still think... One bad year will do that
1: to you. One <laughs> bad year will do that to you. But it's been a great coach for West Coast. Obviously has um, brought them some silverware, led, the, led them to some silverware, led them to a losing grand final. Um, so has been had them at the pointy end very much throughout the, the, the meaty part of his coaching tenure. He says he's still going on. We have no reason to doubt that he will. So well done to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all the signals coming out of the club is that he coaches the team in 2023, probably 2024 as well. And it's very difficult to pay out a, a coach anyway under the soft cap rules, so you'd expect that to take place. He, um, My understanding, despite everyone's denials, is that there was reaching out and sounding out by former premiership teammates at North Melbourne to see if there was any interest from him in coming home and coaching the Roos. There wasn't, so therefore you expect him to be there. Um, It's a big job at West Coast. I think the interesting thing about West Coast is I can see them spiking a little bit next year. And when I say spiking, I'm – well, going from, say, two to three wins (laughs) to nine to ten wins. But I think the real problem is going to be the following year. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, it has to be a better year than this year, so surely.
0: You, Oscar Allen will play. Campbell Chester will play. Dom Sheed will play.
1: Joe you Kelly know, will have played more. We'll get more footy into him. Yeah, it so
0: that's great. Um, Bazo um, Hoff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the following year, then you've got J.K. goes now. Whether Shannon Hearn goes now or goes after, at the end of next year,
1: you've got Redden. You've got
0: Redden as well. Nick Nui as yeah. well. Jeremy McGovern's two years older. Luke Shuey's two mm. years older. Elliot Yo's two years older. Those are big considerations for West Coast when they make their list management decisions. Just here on here. those
1: players, so Nick Nat we think might return. Uh, Willie Rioli we expect to resume, but Yo struck down again this morning, so he's done the calf. Adam Simpson has conceded we got to, We have to look at this because he keeps doing all the work and getting to the final hurdle and not getting quite getting there. So we need to have a bit of an investigation into why this is happening. Uh, I would have thought if he's out for two weeks, I think you're... You put a fork in him. I say that in the nicest possible way. I love Elliot, but I think you have to, don't you, for the season? What's the point?
0: There's not a lot to be gained by running him around. Final round in Geelong. You know that
1: final round game against Geelong? I've, I've got some advice for him. Just nearby Cadenia Park. Get through that game, and um, there's, there's Clapworthy's across the road, and there's the Lord of the Isles just down the road. I just go and have a good session, and thank God the season's over. If I'm West Coast.
0: You're a Seinfeld fan. Mm-hmm. So Seinfeld was based on what's the worst thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. So you're saying taking a bunch of tired, banged up, and possibly disgruntled footballers yeah. to a place away from home where they might let their hair down a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's good plot, you along, What's actually. the worst thing that can happen, <laughs>
1: Glenn? Yeah, okay, that's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> Clatworthy's is a nice old style pub though across the road, mate, where you have got the open fire raging, and I think it will be a comfortable. There've place. There've
0: been to- some footballing atrocities committed in nice old style pubs uh, okay. over the
1: years. Fair enough. Well, Melbourne got into one in a French cafe. So, Gold yeah. Coast to beat West Coast. For yeah, me. same, same for me. It's as you as you said earlier in the uh, season, Duff. It's a hard place to win now.
0: Yes, Richmond versus Brisbane. Richmond are a dollar seventy seven favourites quarters. Brisbane are 2 dollars five. Now, this is must-win for both these clubs. This is a bit like Fremantle versus Melbourne, I reckon, but this is not about... I reckon for different reasons. Yeah, so with Richmond, you think if Richmond doesn't win this, Richmond probably isn't playing finals. Oh, not
1: probably. They're not. I don't think they are playing finals, but, yeah, I think they're done.
0: And if Brisbane can't get over the top of them um, and show some better form, you just wonder whether Brisbane is a flag contender. Well, there's another reason, Duff. Round twenty one, two
1: thousand and fourteen. Why is that significant?
0: That'd be the last time Brisbane had beaten Richmond at the MCG.
1: Last time Brisbane won at the MCG.
0: Really? So that's a long time. That's a lot. There's,
1: they don't play there that often, but often enough for that to really impact on them, um, on their psyche. So they have to win this game for that reason. If they're to challenge this year, let's face it, that's where you win the the grand final. So I I think it's really, really important for Brisbane to get this, to get the four points for, just get over that hurdle before the finals come around. Um, They can finish top four, they can get some home finals, but they need to win at the G and they need to do it now. I'm going to pick them nervously. But I'm going to pick them. I don't like picking against Richmond at the MCG. It's a four-goal head start
0: with the Tiger Army behind you. Uh, But, yeah, Brisbane for me. Yeah, I'm going to pick Brisbane. I just think if Brisbane's going to stand up, this is the game to stand up in. Um, I think that Richmond's top end is play finals. Brisbane's top end is be a contender for a flag. If you're a contender for a flag, you win this game. Yeah. All right. Uh, Essendon versus North Melbourne, Essendon $1. nine. North Melbourne $7.50. No doubt Essendon have been practising their set-ups from uh, yeah. defensive kick-ins this week. I'm
1: not sure if they have.
0: And also getting body on a lone uh, opposition oh. forward, taking a mark inside That's attacking 50.
1: I've watched that at least a dozen times, more probably, and I just can't get my head around how Jamie Elliott was able to take that mark and have the kick after the siren. It's just a simple spoil and a stoppage.
0: Well, at least you make him earn it.
1: Well, but it's a body on him.
0: Yeah. I just look at it. Every time I look, it, it look at it, it looks worse. It probably says a lot about the sort of season the Essendon having, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah.
1: Really? That's uh, is
0: there an upset brewing in this one? No.
1: Not the way North played last week. How much? Uh, if if there, Anyone can get him, It's... It, like you get Essendon, if you know what I mean. If anyone can lose it, it's Essendon, but they won't lose this game.
0: How much are Essendon winning by?
1: I reckon they're winning by 50 points.
0: I'm going to tip Essendon, and I'm going to say Essendon by 35. Okay,
1: now it's time for this.
0: Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag.
1: Thanks for all your mail. We had some good mail on Tuesday, Duff, so we might... There's a couple in the clubhouse lead already, but we'll... Um, We'll get to those a little bit later on. Thank you to Thirsty Camel and to Jack Daniel's old number seven whiskey and cola. We're giving away a 10-pack this week. Keep sending your emails in, please. Keep them short and let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia because you can't win it if you're from the outside. Bit of an international flavour, Duff. I'll get through a few of them. Um, This one from Mick Ozzie. Duff and Quarters, first email to you this year from Edmonton, Canada. I still listen to both your weekly shows and sometimes mention your thoughts, comments on a footy podcast. I go on with a yank on the footy. So this annoys me. Would like your thoughts. Many Aussie media probably won't comment on it, as sadly many players do it. I found this quite amusing, Duff. Um, <laughs> Mouthguard in sock when taking set shot for goal. Why? Why? See if Bombers' Harrison Scott didn't put his mouth guard in his sock and the weight to one side... Harrison Jones. Sorry, has Harrison Jones. Side slash physics unbalanced him. He wouldn't have hit the post. I blame Tex Walker, and I'm a Crows fan, but... Uh, for too many players now doing it It's unnecessary, unhealthy as well And annoys the hell out of me The only time a player should need to take their mouth guard out Is at the breaks and when getting a drink And washing it um, That's just funny oh, God, We've got doing that forever haven't we Putting wouldn't the you, mouth guard down. Wouldn't the you side.
0: feel it Like wouldn't you feel it Did you not leg? put your mouth guard down your side I, know, I couldn't wear a mouth guard Oh really Yeah that's why I've got bent front teeth Okay I, I now, could,
1: just I, down you'd like to i think you can breathe a little easier with it out so you put it down your sock nah
0: never notice it's there so i i used to gag um so i just couldn't wear them I tried, I tried i tried to train myself just couldn't i'd run 100 meters and then i'd start i'd have to take it out and have a bit of a dry reach um but it. yeah I'd look you know what down your jocks why oh,
1: no. <laughs> why
0: they sh- don't go there uh well they do do they? They put it down their jocks. Well, somewhere they put it down there somewhere. Okay. And if it's if it's down your sock, then it's rubbing against your leg. And I mean, I I tend to agree with him. Like it's got to you've got to notice it.
1: <laughs> well, at least they're not sharing the mouth guard. It always worried me when I was playing cricket, Duff, and I had to share someone's cricket protector as they were coming off the ground. And I was going on. Never like that.
0: So they have a little um, thing for the GPS. They have a little holder. Yeah. Why not just have one that your mouth guard goes in when you're having oh, a shot at put goal? put it down your sock. But then it's rubbing against your leg. So what? Well, you notice it. Your leg's used for kicking. No, you don't even notice it, mate. We I, need to move on to the next email. I like it. I like it. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying he's a clubhouse leader. Well, he can't because he's in Edmonton. No, no. no. But um, but there I like it.
1: Duff likes it. Well done, Mick. Okay, uh, Andrew writes Hi up and Quarters Gil McLaughlin and Travis Old Keep stating the importance of fans Returning to their routines Of going to the footy And barracking for our teams Is it a glaring error then That there is no fixture At Optus Stadium in round 23 It's a very good point Also having the bye Before the finals Could result in three or four weeks With no footy Depending on Frio's form In the final four rounds If It could if results don't get their way in no routines of going to the footy and barracking for WA fans after round 22. So we've got Geelong playing at GMHBA, the Alphabet Stadium, and Frio going to Canberra to play GWS in the final This is
0: a really good point. And and normally our teams just go week and week about. So there is a game in Perth every weekend. There must have been a game around the bye where we had um, games – There must have been two home games um, and it wouldn't have been the same weekend because our teams would have had the bye in successive weeks. But we must have played at home and then the next team played at home and therefore we've used up all our home games. Really good point. Um, I guess the alternative is our supporters go a fair time without home footy in the middle of the season if one or both of them play away games in and around the bye. But um, yeah, normally there would be a game... At Optus in round twenty three. When's the AFLW season starting? Uh, well, it's around about that time.
1: So it? there you go. This support the AFLW.
0: Maybe a a home derby.
1: Yes, it is a home derby. I think start. So, is that? Yeah, I think there might be. Anyway, a, a derby
0: to start the AFLW season in Perth.
1: Support the AFLW. This one from Tim Mitchell. It has long been an anachronism of the AFL waffle VFL, the awarding of four points for a win and the draw against Richmond. Further highlighted it with the awarding of two points each. Is it time to be like the Sandful and NRL and just award two for a win and one for a draw. And the, in the interest of promoting high-scoring games, three points for a win you, when you score more than 100 points, this would act like percentage but with much more consequence. No, is my answer.
0: Yeah, you're fundamentally shifting the culture of the game. I mean, there's no real difference in the Sandful. I like the draw. Two points is fine. Yeah, and, and let's face it, four down to two is the same as two down to one. And they don't give out bonus points for margins or high scoring. So, no. Uh, that's, this, what, that's what percentage is for. This one from Daniel, a
1: regular listener. And I'll just read this bit out. I have been sitting in anticipation this evening, waiting and hoping for your podcast to be uploaded, only to be left a little disappointment. disappointed. Yes, Daniel, I'll apologise. A little bit of a technical fault. We did get up, but it was a little bit later than normal, our podcast our tuesday podcast like me
0: on a monday and wednesday exactly i still get up just a little bit later that's right so
1: so thank you for that daniel um the question however coach of the year does it go to scott of geelong top of the table and developing new strategies for the aging stars of yesterday heavily recruited top end talent over the last six to seven years with four listed as potential all australians Is it Horse Longmire from the Swans? Developed a culture of a hard-working youth mixed with older soldiers. A number of top-end draft picks in recent years beginning to flourish. Is it McRae from Collingwood? First-year coach, developing a young team into believing the impossible and rolling on with nine or ten straight wins. Or is it Longmuir at the Dockers with a list of no-name players, not quite agree with that. Build around Brayshaw, the sole proposed All-Australian in the team. The best defence in the competition, with no one stand out standing out being talked about for All-Australian. Love to know your thoughts on what makes the All-Australian coach in 2022.
0: Good question. Yeah, it is. Good uh, You could throw Michael Voss in there as well. Yeah. He's been very good. Um, I'll tell you in eight weeks' time, if you wanted me to pick right now, I'd say Chris Scott's effort in getting Geelong into the nick that they're in at the moment probably has him and and, and tweaking a few things and, and introducing some speed around the older, harder bodies. I reckon that's been a pretty impressive performance. But I've loved the way McRae goes yeah. about it. Loved the way Longmuir goes about it. Longmire's done a great job um, and Voss has done a great job at Carlton. So it's a good field. Does the All-Oz
1: coach always the premiership coach? Uh, I think it is. It's always yes. bugged me. Yeah, I'm not sure why he gets, he gets
0: persi- the Jock McHale medal too. So why it? they
1: persist with the All Australian coach being? Because clearly you've coached well if you're a coach of a premiership team, but it's not always the, 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 the case that it's the best coach. I sort of lean towards McRae this year, but I think yeah, Chris Scott has been done an amazing job there as well. Um, this one from Peter. Hi, gents. Not sure how we go about this. So I'm asking you. I'm an avid Eagle supporter and heard a lot of media questioning the club's performance with so many senior premiership players available. And COVID is an excuse. While we have premiership players, you will agree you need continuity to be competitive. What I would like to see is every club ranked based on player availability. If each club has 42 players with 22 rounds, that is a total of 924 games. Then count up available players each week, even if they play reserves and calculate percentage. Even go further and calculate minutes as some players returned on managed minutes at AFL or waffle level. Where can you access this data as it might give an interesting
0: perspective? It Hmm. is an interesting perspective, but it sounds like what you're looking for is absolute truth. And the reality is in this field, there is no absolute truth. I think what we can say is that West Coast have been allowed to be below par because of their circumstances, which is COVID and injury. Um, The question that we asked for some period through the middle of the season in particular was whether they were allowed to be as bad as they ended up being. And I think when their really, really, really poor form dragged on, for two or three weeks longer than we thought it should have, the feeling was that, no, they're not allowed to be this bad. They've been better in recent weeks. They've been probably more like you would think they would be according to their injuries and their interruptions. So I do think West Coast will be better next year, but I do think the list management challenge for West Coast will be the year after. So, um, yeah, it's a good call, but I think you're looking for an absolute truth and maybe an absolute excuse, and I don't think there is either.
1: This one from Damo in Suzhou, China. I'm currently in central quarantine in a hotel room here for 10 days after returning from overseas. And so have the plenty of time to think about footy. And I love listening to your pod. I am a huge admirer of Adam Simpson and the way he has carried himself at West Coast and the integrity and thoughtfulness he displays. However, I am unsure why his position hasn't been more closely scrutinised and why other clubs like North would be interested in him. From afar, it seems that since the 2018 Premiership, West Coast have significantly underperformed and have shown themselves to be a very fragile team and very susceptible to big defeats, showing a lack of resilience and fights." I know the COVID issues were a real barrier to the start of this year, but this is not a new phenomenon. Since 2018, they have lost vital games and losing big when losing became a more common thing. They seem to struggle in challenging situations like hubs and COVID. The recent Carlton game was a microcosm of the last four years. And he goes on to say, evidence of lack of resilience since 2018. In 2019, they lost three of the first six, all by more than 40 points. And while they got it together, the 38-point loss to Hawthorne in the last match to stop a top-four opportunity was crucial to missing a flag opportunity. The start of 2020 in Queensland, they were thrashed in their first three matches in the Queensland Hub. Sorry, then they were thrashed in their first three matches in the Queensland Hub. And while they had a strong run at home, They then lost the elimination fold onto Collingwood in a ball over. And in 2021, they lost seven of the last eight, including four massive losses. By the way, good luck in quarantine. hope you're doing okay.
0: Yes. Um, That's a good email. That's a good email. I've had the feeling about West Coast for some time now that there is a section of the West Coast player group, not all of them, but a section of the group where it gets too hard too easily. And I think we saw evidence of that in the hub. And I'm still, quarters, I'm still scratching my head.
1: That final round against Hawthorne? Trying to
0: work out how that game was lost. Mm. You know, you, you just have to win that. You do. You just have to find a way. And and so that, that still boggles my mind.
1: That was the real one that got away, wasn't it? Yeah. Even more so than losing the GF. That yeah. one.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you lose that, the premiership defence is gone. You know, you can't win premierships from over here, from outside of the four, so... Yeah, that was strange. Um, It's only an opinion that he's got. It's not, again, not absolute fact, but I think there's something in that. And I think West Coast, if I was inside the four walls at West Coast and inside the footy department with some say in this, I would be asking them over summer, you know, are we resilient enough? Do we go hard enough? Do we allow obstacles to become insurmountable obstacles too easily? This one
1: from Brett, the iron ore dozer operator. Now, Brett, if you are operating an iron ore dozer as we speak, uh, concentrate the job ahead, please. (laughs) The job ahead of you. G'day, Duff and Quarters. Frio's 3D jumper was by far the worst design in our club's history. But like all things retro, what was once old and ugly is now new and beautiful again. Simply put, Frio's 3D anchor jumper is proof that you can, in fact, polish a turd. (laughs) Plus the old tracksuit jackets, which sold out in two minutes on the Frio website, are the epitome of retro. Please make more. When players leave your football club, we tend to boo them. This Friday night, should the Purple Army take the opposite approach and cheer every time Luke Jackson or Angus Brayshaw get the ball? Well, they might boo Angus Brayshaw now. Be signed on.
0: They'll... they'll, Take any booze they might have had for Luke and, and hand them on to Angus. His last
1: line, or perhaps keeping with all things retro, someone could ring a bell every time Jackson touches the Sharon. It's very I, good. I like it.
0: Very good. In the is the he a
1: chop- WA boy?
0: He is. He's in the chop up.
1: He's in the chop up. Uh, He
0: can bring his dozer down to the front door. Just
1: put him in the dozer. (laughs) Uh, No, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Sean from South Lake. One thing that really annoyed me on Friday was the dark arts, dirty tactics of Richmond. I remember it from their flag, and they were doing it again on Friday. They play on the borderline of the rules and occasionally spill over. There were two that stood out. The late hit on Walker that happened on roughly... Saturday Arvo that the pundits claim was a fair bump and the dangerous flyer on Sarong with no intent on the ball that was lauded by the Richmond cheer squad in the commentators boxes as heroic. Those two plus various sum, zero-sum fouls and late hits add up to indicate a culture of Richmond deliberately trying to injure opposition players. Before you dismiss me as being a conspiracist, can you explain those two incidents in any way other than intent to hurt Sarong Walker? They play on the edge to the Tigers. They always have.
0: Yeah. So the the Sarong one to me was um, that was Liam Baker, by the way. Um, to me, that was desperate to compete rather than trying to take the opposition player out. And when Baker went back into him, he was in as much peril as Sarong was coming forward. Um, clearly, Baker got it wrong. It was a free kick. The free kick was paid. That was all it was. There was no contact to the head. The Walker one, I can, I can vaguely recall it, um, and I recall it being late, and I think um, yeah, I, I, the commentator's take on that did raise my eyebrows. They were wondering what was wrong with the bump. Well, the bump was late, so you're not allowed to bump a bloke late. Um, so that, to me, bemused me a little bit the way they, um, their take on that. The Tigers play on the edge, but make no mistake, guys, Your team, every team, no matter who your team is, if there is an opportunity to make a physical impact on an opposition player while inside the rules or even marginally outside the rules but not likely to land you in the grandstand the following weeks, they are doing it. They are doing it. Now, it might be a spoil where the knee makes contact with the ribs, It might be a spoil where you just take the body, as the Essendon players should have taken with Jamie Elliott and as we have criticised them for. This is not Ouija Multha versus Norseman in the under-14s. This is the AFL. And it is ruthless.
1: I was going to add all the old Sam Mitchell knee into the thigh.
0: I think that was a bit much, the Sam Mitchell knee into the thigh. So interesting
1: to see how the Hawthorne, midf- first tackles. The Hawthorne midfield uh, is operating. The, the
0: unsociable Hawks, as they Any uh,
1: opposition teams with sore sort of quads and thighs over there? Yes,
0: well, particularly one Fremantle-Brownlow medalist. Mm. That was viewed as a turning point in Fremantle's season.
1: So a lot of great... Uh, Emails this week. Do we go with Brett Miller, the 3D jumper man? Do we go with our Daniel Till, who was forlorn that the podcast was late? Um, Rowan Way from earlier in the week um, about expansion clubs in GWS. Uh, So many good ones. There's a Leaderville Oval from Chris in Mount Hawthorne. Incidentally,
0: Uh, I believe a waffle match is about to be shifted from Leaderville Oval. Peel Thunder were fixtured to play there this weekend. Yeah. And the surface is so bad, they'll be shifting that game. So,
1: what do you think about the commentary that? So that it, it seems that it's down to Leaderville or Fremantle Oval.
0: So there has to be a plan in place to fix the surface.
1: Well, the, I think there's going to be. I think there'll be no footy between September one to, right through to October one. So
0: if that if they can if they're confident that they can get the surface up, I think Leaderville's the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're not, and there's any doubt about that, then I think Fremantle's the right place. The Go reason and borrow that,
1: some turf from Optus, mate.
0: Or um, the neighbours around not Optus as you <laughs> Plenty suggest.
1: of good lawns around the Leaderville area
0: That was a good uh, a, a nice little piece out of Fun with Dick and Jane You remember that? With um, Tia Leone and uh, Jim Carrey They pinched all the lawn from the neighbours And <laughs> they right. ran out of money You
1: know there's a great story in um, Melbourne In the 80s uh, One of, All those great little back lanes through Melbourne Where the, the cobblestone, bluestone
0: Yeah.
1: And um, A couple of guys turned up, uh, befriended all the neighbours. Yeah, we're here from the roads board. We're just uh, replacing the old or fixing up the old. They removed all the bluestone and just left. They befriended the neighbours. They were making them lunch and cups of tea all week and never saw them again. Never saw them again. Disappeared with the bluestone. It's pretty expensive (laughs) stuff. There's a good movie in that, I reckon. So, who are we settling on? I I like
0: like the dozer driver.
1: The dozer driver. Brett, the iron ore dozer operator. You win the 10-pack. Well done. Please send your details to this address.
0: Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. And, Brett, when you pick up your 10-pack of um, Jack's old number seven, if you've got a couple spare and you want to sit down and have a drink with us, we think you might be a fun bloke to have a drink with. Absolutely. So, so let us know when you're about the place, If you're, presuming you're a Sounds FIFO good. worker. Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch can better their bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you encounter any difficulties. Thank you for joining us. We hope we've tipped you a winner. We hope your team goes well. And we hope you'll be with us on Tuesday when we run the ruler over the rounds. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and, of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who. It's unbelievable.